Wow, okay. <laughs> Kim just felt something which goes very much in line with it, and I was actually, my intro was going to be saying what you said. <laughs> just singing a song that moves us, uh, singing a song of our heart that moves our feet into the more that God has for us. And that's basically what, what I'm sharing on tonight. So, and uh, maybe Kim, you just want to come share that, uh, what you felt just... Um, just a sense that we're living in a season where God is going to roll away the stone of the cave of Lazarus. And I feel that there's been a season where many of us have had things die within us. And um, they've been good things, and, and they've died. And it feels like they're permanently dead. But Just as Jesus did when he waited two days. Sometimes the waiting is that period of time where we process and go through the test. And then he arrives and he goes like, where did did you lay him? And I believe that Jesus is saying that. Where, Where is this thing laid? Where is that stone? Let's roll that stone away. And I feel today that the Lord is calling out Lazaruses. And he's saying, unbind them. Unbind them. And, um, yeah, I just have such a sense that the Lord is going to come tonight. And there's stuff that is dead, gifts and talents that have died. Some of it you put to death yourself. Some of it the Lord is allowed to die so that when it's resurrected, because he is the resurrection and the life, that when it's resurrected, it will be resurrected with the life of Jesus, empowered by Jesus um, for a purpose and a plan. Lazarus' death um, was not final. There would be another death, but that one wasn't final. And there was work for him to do. And I do believe the Lord has work for many of us to do. Using those things that have died, but they're now resurrected in him. Just as we sang that song, Who Can Stop the Lord Almighty? I think we we sing about the sovereignty of God and the sufficiency of God. If God is sovereign over all, then he's sufficient in all. Is he enough for you? There's a scripture, and I'm going to sing that song again, or we can sing that song again together in a moment's time, because I feel like it needs to sink in that there's no one that can stop the move of God but me. When I have things and distractions, or when there's a stone rolled in the way of the resurrected life, through me, the life and love of Jesus in and through me, we, don't, we will not live or experience the sufficiency of God. And others won't experience the love and life of God that you have. I felt as we were praying earlier on, and I'm just off the top of my head as the pre-church pre-meeting, I thought what Ezra PM have is too good to keep here. I feel like in my heart, in my spirit, that God is more for you than just edge meat. And I, I, I actually don't know in terms of where you're going and, and, and what's happened in the life of this church at all, but I, do, uh, but I do feel like the Lord says, I want, there's more. There's more. There's more that God has for you. And you've got a, you're a lot richer than you think you are. 
And uh, who can stop the Lord Almighty? 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 Just sing it together. Sing it with faith now. Sing it with faith. Yeah. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? We believe it, Lord. And there's no one that can stop the work that you're doing in our lives. But areas in our lives that we need to surrender in a fresh way. Areas of faith that we need to grow in God. Areas that we need to tweak and change so that we make ourselves more available to be used by you. So we sing again, Lord. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Holy Spirit. Who can stop the Lord? Why don't you do that? Why don't you help us to see? See how beautiful and big you are. That we would, in a fresh way, even this evening, be encouraged to live in the more that you have for us, Lord. That this congregation, something would happen even this evening in the spirit realm. That would just grow faith that little bit more. That would inspire us just that little bit more. That would put a fresh or blow the wind that the fire is raging just that little bit more. So become a congregation and part of a church that makes a difference in this generation, God. Amen. Amen. So when I was growing up, I don't know about many of you, I see quite a few older faces here. This is a, we used to use this to read news. I don't know, do some of you remember that? I don't know. Okay, this is called a newspaper, for those of you who don't know. Okay, okay, this one's not, this is kind of um, modern day, like they put freebie, but we used to go and buy newspapers so we could see the news. Now, for me, I'm one of those readers that don't read. <laughs> okay, I do, but I read the headlines. You know, how many of you, if you had newspapers, read the headlines? The bold print, but you don't read the fine print. You don't read what the, what the editor says. You don't read what, what, who the reporter is. And, and I believe that so often in the Bible, it seems, or it seems like to us in church life that they're those of the bold print, the, 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 those with the, with the gifts. Those with the, the ones that are up front and stage and the ones with the big gifts are the ones that are, get, get the headlines. And the small print is just the little detail. 
I used to read the sports page a lot, by the way. <laughs> Some of you know, know that. You identify with that, huh? But I felt to share with you guys that in God's kingdom, there are no random citizens. I think Andrew shared about a year or two in one of the, one of the um, gatherings. There's no random citizens. Hopefully that will start. I've got a PowerPoint, but I don't know if it will work. It's fine if it doesn't. That's fine. Ephesians 2 verse 8 to 10 says this, For it is by grace you have been saved. And there's not a work from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not by works that no one can boast. For we are God's masterpiece. Handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God had prepared in advance for us to do. We are saved only by grace and not by works, but we are saved to works. Hello? So God has prepared something for every single one of us in His design. That word um, handiwork, that word masterpiece, actually comes from the word, two words, painting, that is birthed in the heart of the, of the artist. And he's got a plan in his head, in his mind, what that painting will look like, and he begins to paint. And I will tell you that God is a master in fine art. The little, little details are very, very important to him. The other word is it's a poem. He writes a poem. That handiwork, he's thought about a poem, and he's writing a poem. And I want to say that he's writing a story and a poem over your and my life. And it's an unfolding plan. It's an unfolding poem. Is that working at all or not, the PowerPoint? So I don't know if any of you watched, I don't know if I'm doing wrong here, but Lord of the Rings, can I say that? Right? Okay, I do say that it's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> but, but Gandalf, as you don't know, I won't say the, that word that he actually is in the book, but he was like a wise person, Okay. It is not our part to master all the tides of the world, but to do what is in us for the succor of those years wherein we are set, uprooting the evil in the fields that we know, so that those who live after may have clean earth to till. What weather they shall have is not ours to rule. Every single one of us have a part to play in God's kingdom. Well, let me just start this, sorry. Starting the timer. I don't want to go too long. The church is not built the gifts on the few, but the sacrifices of the many. Every single one of you, every single sacrifice, every single time given up, every single prayer prayed, every single time spent over coffee with someone is making a difference in somebody's life because your something may be somebody's everything. Something you say may mean so much to someone else and make a difference in their lives. And so we do what we can, what's in our hand in this time in our lives, for this season, in this generation. Now, I haven't given much of an introduction of, my, of ourselves. So Kim and I, uh, we've been married nearly 40 years. End of this year, it's 40 years. Okay. The bride of my youth and still very much keeps me young. Okay, but there's people that keep me even younger. My two grandkids. <laughs> Got two granddaughters as well. 
point of view, grandparents, you know, uh, especially granddads grand, and, and for us as grandparents, they are so special. I've got two boys, two sons. One's a doctor in theology. Let that just sit there. He's a doctor in theology, so I'm a father of a doctor. And my other son, some of you, my, uh, you may know uh, Keegan, who's the older one, and Bryce. Some of you may know him. He's in, uh, in Greenpoint Congregation, and he's a worship leader and loving Jesus. And Keegan's in another church, but loving Jesus. And we are so grateful that he, he loves the Lord. We are uh, in Sunningdale PM Congregation, uh, elders there on the team there. We have, for the last eight years, overseen the children's ministry. And we've got a team coming in here just, and we're getting together with them afterwards. And... As overseeing and or looking after the, the kids in Josh Jen, the preacher or what I'm sharing now applies to any ministry. So it's kind of very applicable. It's a discipleship thing in a way. And then Kim and I also um, facilitate one uh, city central hub. So we've got a lot of uh, things in our in, uh, plates that we spin, but man, we love what we do. I've been saved for 53 years and love church my whole life. Give my life for Jesus, for his church. I'd be doing nothing more better than what I'm doing now. Kim and I don't have, we have a little bit of a money we put away every month, but never enough for us to uh, ever retire, but that's the way it's meant to be. Because I don't intend retiring. I intend just going for Jesus as long as he gives me his breath and strength. That's, that's quickly the, my background. Okay? We want to I want to, in us, Kim and I, and want to come into churches in different contexts to, to blow wind in your sails and to blow wind on the flame that's already there, or if it's embers, to ignite something fresh in you. And so I want to say that every single one of us have a part to play. The lead story, the lead story on a newspaper is not, I'm going to say this, Dion Delport standing here on the stage. It's not, it's not the worship team and Mervis on stage. It's not Andrew on, on stage. The lead story is Jesus. The lead story that we have is Jesus gives life. Jesus is changing lives. The gospel changes lives as it did 2,000 years, 2,000 years ago, changing lives today. And I've, I've recognized that and seen it in my own life. I've seen what he's done in me. And it continues to do so. I had a, when I was in, in Brazil many, many years ago, about five or six years ago, I was at, the, I just want some water quickly, excuse me, my throat's getting dry. And we had a prayer meeting on, on top of a, it was, felt like upper room kind of prayer meeting that we had with some of the guys. And if any of you been to Brazil, Sao Paulo? Sao Paulo, okay? It is like just blocks of concrete, of buildings, of apartments, as far as the eye can see. 25 million people. One city. And on top there, I'm praying and we're praying for this church and in this church, and I think, Lord, how can you reach the city? How, how can the gospel reach the city? And it was, it was early evening and the people were coming home, and as I was standing there and the, in these high-rise flats that were surrounded, I saw lights, this light go on, and this light go on, and this light go on. And suddenly it dawned on me, the Lord said to me, the city changes one life at a time, one family at a time. That's how the gospel 
is spread. So every life makes a difference. Every person makes a difference. Every soul saved. His kingdom advancing. Amen? Amen? You are a sign. I thought of this the other day. When God was thinking about His glory, when God was thinking about the splendor of who He is, we sang about the greatness of who He is, He was thinking about you and me. Isn't that unbelievable? The perfection of heaven thinks about you and me when he thinks about his glory. Because he says, I want to share my glory with you and I need you to share your glory with others. Magnificent. Magnificent. John on the Isle of Patmos thinking his life is over. I've been exiled. I'm old. My life, there's nothing worth... I'm just yeah on the island, going to retire and die. And the resurrected Jesus from heaven, the heavenly Jesus he had never seen before encountered. This Jesus, he hadn't put his head on his shoulder. The, the resurrected Jesus appears to him. And when he hears the voice, he looks, he falls flat on his face. And the beautiful thing that God does is, as John is lying flat on his face, the Lord puts his right hand, the same right hand that holds the church in his hands. He puts it on John. And he says, don't be afraid. And it says, John turned to the voice that was speaking to him. You and I have access to the resurrected Jesus. Every single one of us you're born again believer we cannot say that we haven't got what we need to become everything that God wants us to be he puts his right hand on his shoulder and he says write what you see your life is not over as long as you breathe I've got a plan and a purpose for your life I've got breath long as I've got breath, I've got a plan, I've got a purpose, and God wants to use me, and man, I'm available. I'm available. So we are very busy. Kim and I are busy. We've got quite a few responsibilities in the life of this church. So when some of the guys ask Kim and I, what, is there any area you want to, anything more you can do? So I want to go to the nations. You can ask him. There's more. Some of the other nations birthed in me. It's not like we've got something to do, spare time. no. The churches in the nations, they need to hear this beautiful story. need to hear the beautiful story that what God has done in our lives. So we want to go and we'll see what happens. But whatever it is, I want more in God. Not for me, but for Him. Amen. So there is this amazing story which I'm going to quickly take to you to show you how God uses every person. In the church, there's a lady in um, Acts chapter nine. Her name's Dor- her name's Dorcas. By the way, you can leave that stuff up there, Sam, if you want to, as we go through that. So, Saruman believes. <laughs> this is Gandalf saying again. That is only great power that can hold evil in check. 
But that is not what I have found. This was Gandalf, I think, saying to one of the hobbits, I think. I found it is in the small things, everyday deeds of ordinary folk that keeps the darkness at bay, simple acts of kindness and love. So here we have in Acts chapter 9, we have that demonstrated in the Bible. So I'm going to read that quickly to us. Acts chapter 9, verse 36 to 43. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Dorcas or Tabitha. It was a, was a Hebrew name. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died. And her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Sound familiar? Something about Jesus, something. Lida was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lida, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Peter went with them. And when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. I want you to now read between the lines. I want you to think. This is real life story. This is not just a fairy tale. This is people, real people. That were, that were there in this upper room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with him. Peter sent them all out the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. I want you just to keep that there, hanging there in the eye cloud. So I want to share with you four things that qualify us to become instruments in God's hand. From the life of Dorcas, who was a Greek woman, the first Greek woman mentioned in the New Testament. Four things that qualify you and me for God's work. Number one, she was called by God. She was called by God. She had heard the gospel. At some time, and she responded to the beautiful love message of Jesus. And she heard her name called, and she responded. A Greek woman. And the, the back side of the story is that women and Greeks in that style, in terms of the gospel, it was not meant for them. And what Jesus, and including her story in the Bible that rings to us today, is the fact that the gospel changes lives all over the world, no matter creed, what, no matter what culture, no matter what race, no matter how old, no matter how young, no matter what gender you are. The gospel changes life. Romans 1 verse 12. The, the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of anyone, everyone, all included, who believe. Amen? And that gospel that saved me in 1970 is still saving me today. Oops, whoa. Yes. I, the, 
The fact that I know what Jesus did for me in grace called me probably a, lot, a while before some of you were born. It still keeps me now. It still keeps me. The gospel message. She heard her name called. And every single one of you, you know Jesus, your name was called. He had your number. He had your name. Dorcas, I love you. I love you. Uh, a while back, I had this, um, Harper was probably about two years old, my, my, my eldest grandchild. And I don't know what it is about grandparents. Those of your grandparents understand a little bit about this kind of love, this warmth that you feel for your grandchildren. And I'm holding it in my arms, and uh, there's a time of worship. I think that some of Mervis was there that night and everything, about four years ago or so. And in the worship time, I'm holding her, and what it is, I said, why is it that I, I love her so much? Why is it that I feel this wishy love for her? And I felt the, the Father say to me in that moment, you love her so much because you see your son in her. I want to say that to those of us who saved, Jesus, the Father sees Jesus in you and me. He loves you. He loves you. And you need to know the moment that Jesus called your name, the road to being qualified for being working with Jesus in this beautiful plan of God was the path was set. You called, your name called. God's got a lane for you. God's got a race for you. God's got a purpose for you. God's got a plan for you. You with me? Number two, I love the fact that she was Dorcas, a disciple. I got this. I think it's up there. I think I, think I was right this. What describes your life will define your destiny. What defines your life? I could be, I'm standing up here and uh, in a way, in a way I, I, I am a leader. I've, I've been in leadership in a church many, many years. I can teach a little bit, sing a little bit. So there are gifts that I have. And, and Andrew's an incredible apostolic gift to the church, both in Josh Jen and, and around, around the world. Incredible gift. But I want to say the single most important definition of any single one of us is this. Dion, a disciple of Jesus. A disciple of Jesus. Devoted to the person of Jesus. My life laid down for Jesus. Paul often said in his... In, in, uh, Andrew shared it at our yesterday, yesterday in our Hub Connect time that we had here. He said, Paul, a slave of Jesus, a fully devoted, surrendered, <laughs> devoted disciple of Jesus. Man, if, if anyone says, Dion, a disciple of Jesus, and sees Jesus in me and follows me because I'm a disciple of Jesus, not because I'm a good teacher or whatever, that's the best. 
It's the best. The Christian, uh, the, the, the people who love God in, in Antioch in Acts chapter 11, verses 25 to 27. They were Gentiles. They were first called Christians. Little Christ. Because in a world that was so not Christ-like, Antioch, Antioch was like Sodom and Gomorrah. Antioch was a city where Roman leaders, when they retired, went to retire there. It was a wealthy, wealthy city. There, were, there, were, there was idolatry, temples. There was sexual immorality. There was anything goes. It was like the world today. And the Christians heard the gospel. And their nickname became Little Christ's. People saw and they said they're little Jesus. And this is something that grabbed a hold of, Dor- of Dorcas's life. The beautiful thing about Dorcas was she, she got a nickname, Tabita. Tabita means gazelle, but in that, in that language, in that day, gazelle was, meant gracious, beautiful, something which, which they, that people, it was a strong, beautiful character. And her name in Hebrew actually means gracious. There's something that Jesus did in her. She became a follower of Jesus and she became more and more and more like Jesus. Are you a disciple? Are you devoted? Acts 2, we know the story. They devoted themselves. If you're called and you call yourself a Christian, you qualify. It's a simple message. There's, there's nothing... Uh, complicated about the gospel always. We make it very complicated sometimes. You're a Christian? Hello? Are you all Christians? Yes, okay? Hello? <laughs> yes, disciple of Jesus, fully devoted. Man, God wants to use you. God wants, there's something. And some of you, I know you're being used, but there's more. And those of you maybe on the periphery, God says, I see you. I see God's got a plan for your life. Number three. So she was called. She was committed to being a follower of Jesus. And thirdly, she had compassion for people in need. How am I doing on time here? Ah. <laughs> Tabita. So when Peter and them arrived there, and he went to the upstairs room. I want you to visualize that. It was not family that surrounded her. It was not a father. It was not a mother. It was not brothers. It was widows. Which probably meant, I'm using a little bit of, um, what do you call it? It's expansion, whatever you call it. Which probably meant she was a widow herself. Hello? No family? Which probably meant Tabita had experienced pain, knew what it was to suffer, knew what it was to be alone. But she chose the path that her pain was not going to define her. Her suffering and her hardship was not going to define her. Jesus was and the life and love of Jesus in her was so what she did was 
She said, what has Jesus put in my hand? I can sew. I can sew dresses. And so there were widows that experienced the death of husbands and families and whatever the case, gone through suffering, who probably walked down the streets having the stigma attached of being on the outskirts, on the margin of society, maybe rejected to measure, lonely. And in her mind, she said, I am not going to see these people suffering. There's something that I can bring is to give them their identity and dignity so that they can walk down the streets with their heads held up high, knowing that there's wealth within them, that there's clothes that they're wearing, but there's something inward that Jesus has done so they can wear it on the out when they're walking down the street. And so she said, I'm going to sew them some clothes so that they can walk down the road and feel proud and have dignity. To be a, a widow written into God's story. How beautiful is that? She chose to use, because she knew that this is what I'm suffering. This is what I'm going through. This is the difficulty that I'm going through. How can I help someone that's going through the same thing? And I think I see Dennis and I, I see what you've been through. And I see you and I, I see you when you stand up and I think, leading a home group and I think well done it's like you've made a choice not to let what you've been through restrict and, and as hard as it's been you've used that to bring momentum and life to people around you and bring hope to people around you and I'm sure there are other guys that have done this in this congregation just the little things in the background Where's Tim? Man, Tim came here yesterday afternoon and served on the sound. And How's it going up and down? Yeah, and I mean, well done. You know, it's like Tracy and, and, the, and the, a team that was here yesterday and serving in the Joskins kids week in and week out. You guys and in the background doing the stuff for the ladies and the pre, uh, antenatal stuff and all that kind of... Yeah. It's beautiful. How's, how's the sovereignty and sufficiency of God manifest in your life? Well, the Lord says, what's in your hands? I want you to demonstrate that I'm actually more than enough in making dresses, sewing, making other people's lives feel like they've got hope and dignity and identity. Such a beautiful picture. Matty, um, uh, the younger one, Matty, the younger grandchild. Um, we have been away on a trip, and we're very cl- quite closely we knitted uh, with our grandkids. And we, uh, they were actually staying with us for a few days while they, while they were finishing work on their own house. And uh, we'd been away, and we came back at about 10 days, and Matty said to her mom, woke up in the middle of the night, and she's sleeping. Nana and Papa are back, and I've got lots of hugs in me. People need some hugs. Have you got lots of hugs? Some of you are saying that 
that I can't get involved in children's church because of X, Y, or Z, whatever reasons. I don't want whatever, maybe. Listen, let me tell you something. Whether you like it or not, you're involved in kids' ministry. Because every Sunday they see up front here how crazy you're going for Jesus. But perhaps the Lord is saying to you, once a month, I'm going to go up to the kids and I'm going to pray for them. Or one of the worship leaders. I don't know what happened. I'm just, I'll, if you get the heart of what I'm saying, that God wants every, there's no random citizens. God wants every single one of you to get into the slipstream, to open the, your, your life as, a, as an open book and say, Jesus, write your story over my life. And here's what you've given me in my hands. So use it so long. Beautiful story. This Tabita is just uh, someone in the back pages. This a widow. And yet God chooses to include her in his story. So that you and I can learn that he wants to use every single one of you. And he's got a, a name that is over you. And I'm trusting how a lot of it is Tabita, Grace. Are you gracious? In, um, where is it? In Acts chapter 4, verses 8 to 9, where Peter and John are before the Sanhedrin and before, because they healed the lame man. Do you remember the story? And they say this. They say this. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, there's often accusations made, said, Rulers and elders of all the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed. Acts of kindness. This gospel is not that difficult. How do we get to one heart, one mind, one vision, one purpose, unity, harmony? You're not always looking at what we lack, not looking at some of the frictions and the errors. You give yourself to what God's put in your hand. You participate, you give, and I'm telling you, you won't have time to think about those things. And there'll be harmony, everyone. It's not about visibility, it's about viability. In God's kingdom, his visibility comes by those, everyone, but the guys in the background serving. So how many of you put up your hands, Jasmine or like this? How many of your hands have put up for serving at 412? <laughs> okay, you don't need to do it, but man, I'm not telling you, just a little advert. We're going to do three days on the work of the Holy Spirit, the personal work of the Holy Spirit of the kids for three days. 412 conference. Just waiting your appetite. We need people to work and give themselves for three days or part of the three days in serving there. And then fourthly, in her life, it says there that many, many people came to know Jesus. She commissioned. She felt the commission on her heart to transform her, to transform her community. She did not hold back because after she raised from the dead, she said many came to know Jesus. That means she continued doing what she was doing. People came to know Jesus. And it wasn't a preach. Her life wasn't preaching in words. Her life was preaching in action. When we were at the last gathering, remember those of you there, I think most of you were there, about two to 300 people were on stage. Remember that? Beautiful. Beautiful expression of the growth in Josh Jen. 
And as they're standing up there, I thought, this may be the last time some of those guys stand on stage. But there's a stage behind. There's a backstage story to every life, to every congregation, to the life of every church. And it's you and me, and it doesn't have to be on stage. And I just, this is just a privilege that I've got to do. And I'm just operating part of the gift that God's given me. But I'm telling you, I am so appreciative. I went to some of the smaller congregations. We go and Grabo and Hermanus. And I was once again just, wow, just guys have given up their lives to go serve, love people, double timers. <laughs> just beautiful, man, what God's doing. Just giving up their lives. And God sees every sacrifice. Remember, this church is not built on one or two gifts, but it's actually on everyone's contribution and partnership. I wonder how many lives she touched with the life and love of Jesus. Tabita. I don't know. One day in heaven we'll say, someone's going to come up here. Some of come up, some see some widows or some guys say, remember Tabita in the Bible. I got saved through a life. Might be hundreds. I don't know. Her life was given to living the Christ-filled life. And as a result, the collateral blessing was people's lives were changed by the gospel. You and me have received an unbelievably good gospel message. And we're called to live it and make a difference. And where you are right now, no matter what you're going through, and that was part of the prophetic words that came through, the difficulties that you are in, don't let it hamstring you. Use it. Those of you who know yachting, I'm not a yachtsman, but those of you who know yachting, you know what closed hull sailing is? It's actually when the wind is blowing from the front. So you don't put the spinnaker out, you put it close. But that wind that comes from the front propels you forward. Keep close to Jesus in the difficult times, whatever it is. And man, God's got a plan and purpose for you and keep going. Meanwhile, so this all happened in the small print, in the small print of God's story, Tabita, a Greek widow helping widows and many getting saved in the city, the small print. But meanwhile, the big story unfolds because of Tabita. Remember I said, remember there's something in the eye cloud that I'm just quickly going to grab? Peter ends up in Joppa, staying with Simon the Tanner. And Peter gets a dream of a sheet coming down. And Peter gets in that place after having resurrected through through Jesus uh, a Greek woman. He gets the, the sheet coming down and says, this gospel for everyone. And as a result of that, it catapulted him to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. There's always a bigger story, a bigger thing that God is doing. When we, we do not know the effect and impact of one life changed. Amen. So I'm going to read you something now. Just Any of you heard of Edward Kimball? 
Edward Kimball, anyone heard of him? I'm going to read you about his story. Hopefully after this, some of you will give yourselves to teaching kids' church. Let me find it here quickly. Just hold on. It was the year 1858 in the city of Boston. Edward Kimball was a young Sunday school teacher who made it a habit to personally give each student in his class an opportunity to accept Christ as their Savior. He was concerned about one of his students who worked in a shoe store. One day, Kimball visited the young man at the store We found him in the the back, stocking shelves, and led him to Christ. That student was Dwight L. Moody, who eventually left the shoe business to become one of the greatest evangelists of all time. Moody became an international speaker and toured the British Isles. He preached in a little chapel, pastored by a young man named Frederick Mayer. That message changed, and and he was, sorry, In his sermon, he told the story of his Sunday school teacher. That message changed Pastor Meyer's ministry, inspiring him to become an evangelist like Moody. May eventually preached in America and all all over, uh, yeah, and that many responded. I'm summarizing a bit. Wilbur Chapman went on. So uh, Wilbur Chapman was led to Christ through, through this other guy, okay? Wilbur Chapman went on to become an effective evangelist. He enlisted the help of a volunteer named Billy Sunday, who helped him set up his crusades. Billy Sunday learned how to preach by watching Chapman, and eventually took over Chapman's ministry, becoming a dynamic evangelist. Billy Sunday's preaching brought thousands to Christ. Inspired by Billy Sunday's crusade in Charlotte, a group of Christian men dedicated themselves to reaching the city for Christ. They invited uh, evangelist Mordecai Ham to come and and hold a series of evangelistic meetings. The year was 1932. A local farmer loaded his pickup truck with neighbors and brought them to the meeting. One was a 16-year-old brought, uh, they brought to the meeting. Each evening, the preacher seemed to be shouting and waving his finger at this young man. Night after night, the teenager came, and finally on the last night, he went to forward and gave his life to Christ. The teenager was Billy Graham. Billy Graham has communicated the gospel to more people than any other in history. You probably may know someone who has led to Christ. I can think of several just in my acquaintance. It all started with a Sunday school teacher named Edward Kimball, who cared for the souls of his students to personally make sure they knew and understood the gospel of Jesus Christ. Simple acts of kindness, devotion to Jesus. You may think, well, I don't have to beat a story. Man, she was raised from the dead. <laughs> what a testimony. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. She was raised for easy to bring people to Christ. Let me tell you something. You're a miracle. You've been raised from the dead. You and I have the same testimony as Dorcas, Tabitha, because as she was raised physically from the dead, you and I have been raised with Christ. 
We have a story to tell. We have a destiny. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. I mean, don't, or don't live in God's second best. Don't sit on the edges. Don't sit on the outskirts. Don't wait for God to feel like you feel included in His mission. If you're breathing, you receive Jesus, the gospel's come to you, He's called you, you've devoted yourself to Jesus, He's calling you into a passionate pursuit of His purposes today. As I said at the start, I think stuff in this congregation is too good just to be local. God's got more for you guys. Amen. Plus, this has been encouraging and building something into us of the beauty of what Jesus can do with lives that are devoted to him. Now, let's close our eyes and I just... Father, <laughs> there's nothing worth more than when we give our lives, it's to serving you loving you and and showing others around us what your love is like and what your life is like and I know God sensing it as he's spoken prophetically over the evening there are some here that are going through or have been through testing and challenging times but Father I pray even now that you'd reassure them that Jesus you're calling their name that you know them. Just on that, just let's linger there a moment. You are called, God. Jesus knows your name. You're sitting here today. And you're not convinced or you don't know that Jesus has called your name and you don't know as you're sitting here today that there's a plan and purpose for your life. I want, you to, I want to say to you that Jesus, Jesus left his throne, left heaven because he loved us to come to this world to die for us, to set us free from our sins. He died this painful death on the cross to take our sins on the cross. He was rose again from the dead so that we could live a life of victory and live a life of true life, resurrected life. He gave us so we can live, have a plan and purpose. If you do not know that, that your name is known by God, that your name is written in His book, that your name and your story He wants to write over you, if you don't know that, I'd love to be able to pray for you just in this moment. Is there anyone here that wants to give their lives to Jesus? Who feels, man, God doesn't know me and I want to know him. Anyone here? Just raise your hands. I do not want to pass by this moment. I want to know that as I'm speaking, every, every person is a child of God. Anyone? You all know Jesus. I want to give this opportunity. Jesus, I pray right now by your spirit that if there's anyone here, 
that doesn't know that they know that they know that you are a child of God, that they are a child of God. I pray in this moment you bring a sense of conviction and confidence of who you want them to be or who you've called them to be. Your child. That you see that you see Jesus in them. Right now, Holy Spirit, is there anyone? And I want to pass by this moment. I really want to give guys an opportunity to respond to this beautiful message of love and put you in a path of purpose, man. Woohoo! All of you know Jesus. <laughs> That's beautiful. Love it. Let's trust that in the days that lie ahead, that we see more unsaved people come to these meetings. That you're inviting friends. I know uh, Jonathan Conrath is coming in a while, in August sometime. But you know, evangelism is not an event. Evangelism is Jesus in you. Because you're a living evangelist. Because you've got the good news in you. All you need to do is live it. If you're feeling something, what I've shared tonight has touched your heart, or you're feeling, man, I want to, there are areas in my life I haven't fully given, or I've been holding on to my gift, and man, I want to, I've been asked to lead a calm group, but I'm feeling reluctant, or man, I want to just lead a calm group, or I want to pray, start praying for the kids, whatever it is, something said to you by the Spirit, someone, the Holy Spirit has spoken to you saying, man, come on. Contribute. You're part of this. Become, become the person that Jesus wants you to become, whether it's in the background, on stage, in the worship, whatever. Whatever it is. Every single one of you, God's got a plan and purpose. And then maybe the music can come, the worship team. And then I think it would be lovely for us to respond. For me, as I'm reading the message, as I'm preparing again, my heart is like, oh, man, Tabitha.